Hi, welcome to our latest episode of Shoespeak HR. So this particular episode, we're going to look at what to expect in the world of HR and employment law over the course of 2023. bit late to the table uh, in so much as it's February, we know, but it, it's given us time to digest how the start of the year has kicked off as well to some extent in terms of what our clients are seeing and what they are expecting. So hopefully we're coming to you from a little bit more of an informed position. Um, Amy Anderson and Amy Leach, I should say hello, but I'm going to throw the first question out to Amy Anderson. So hello both. And Amy, do you want to take us away? I can indeed. Um, but I just can't believe we're in February already when you're saying, yeah, we're in February. We've kind of almost missed the boat for what's going on in 2023, but uh, never mind. Um, so I can summarise a few of kind of the main legislative legislative changes that we think are on the on the horizon this year. So I don't know if you remember that in 2019, there was obviously the announcement of the employment bill. Um, that was intended to introduce a number of additional rights for for workers that hasn't obviously got very far obviously 2019 pre-pandemic there's a lot there's a lot's happened since then and it's clearly fallen down down the agenda but a lot of the reforms that were promised by the employment bill are now being progressed via private members bills which have received the backing from government so i can um run you through a couple of the a couple of the key ones there so this one, the Employment Allocation of Tips bill has been in the press recently. I don't know if you guys have seen it. So obviously there was there was a practice that was criticised by um, in, in the press for the last few years, actually. So where restaurants have taken, um, taken elements of workers' tips. So if you're paying like service charge on card, there was there was a practice where a lot not a lot of that as far as I understand was actually making it to to the particular worker the the the, the waitress waiter that had served your your actual table so the employment allocation of tips bill is 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 intended to kind of outlaw that practice so it provides that the total amount of tips gratuities service charges are allocated fairly between workers so without dedu- without deductions obviously you can still make the deductions that are required by law so tax net and anything else that's required by law, but it's just those deductions where basically the employer is just taking a cut before before the tip or the service charge is actually making its way to the worker. Um, Next one on my list is the protection from redundancy, pregnancy and family leave bill. Um, So just in summary, um, this one extends the right to be offered suitable alternative employment in a redundancy situation to the period from when the employer is informed of the pregnancy to up to 18 months after after birth. So at the moment, you guys will obviously know that the the, the protections for um, people on maternity leave only apply until the during the maternity leave during the maternity leave period. So obviously in a typical scenario now, um, a lot of women take a full year off on maternity leave. This would effectively give them an extra six months of protection when they when they come back. I'm talking about this in the context of women on maternity leave, but this the, the right applies to people on shared parental leave and adoption leave as well. So not, ju- not just maternity leave. We've then got the neonatal care leave and pay bill. So that introduces the right to a minimum of one week's leave and pay for employees with responsibility for children receiving neonatal care. And that's going to be a day one right. Um, Similarly, a carer's leave bill. So this would entitle um, employees to take one week's unpaid leave in any 12 month period to provide or to um, arrange care for a dependent with a long term care need. And similarly to the neonatal care bill, that would be um, a day one right as well. And then the last one for me 
again, this has been in the press a little bit recently, or certainly in the employment law related press, it's the proposed changes to the current flexible working regime. Um, the the current regime is um, is only available to employees that have only 26 weeks continuous service. So one of the main changes proposed by the Employment Relations and Flexible Working Bill is that that becomes a day one right. It also changes how that how kind of the the regime works in the sense that at the moment. Um, employees have to set out what they think the impacts of making a flexible working request will be on the business and how they think that those those effects can be overcome the proposals under under the under the new bill would would basically get rid of that requirement on employees and it would also mean that employees can make two flexible working requests in a year rather than just the one. Um, I don't know about you guys but I still don't see much come across my desk in terms of flexible working flexible working requests. I'm not sure whether whether these changes are going to make all that much difference but it remains to be seen yeah i mean looking at it my view is that these bills interesting that they're being introduced and and i think the reality is they are reflecting or looking to introduce legislation to support what the new generation of employees are wanting stroke demanding um you know i've had a, a couple of recent strategy days with with clients hr teams and and all these kind of issues that that are kind of coming down the pipeline are often already resolved. The business has kind of taken that step already and want to kind of be an organization that is at the forefront, that has a positive, flexible, agile culture. Um, you know, so I, I think it's fantastic that the legislation's coming, um, but I, I dare say lots of organizations are, are probably already on this um and and if they're not I, I don't think they will see it as a huge burden as as and when this this legislation lands um yeah could be wrong particularly for a couple of them though you do you do read the updates and you think i can't believe that this isn't actually in legislation already like carers leave you don't a week a week a week of unpaid leave given the number of people that obviously now have dependents in terms of elderly parents etc and the fact that there isn't any any specific bit of legislation that allows them time off to to sort that care need and things like that does 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 seem surprising yeah agreed um amy leach what about yourself yeah, so Not I you guess personally, more about what you <laughs> yeah. uh, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna <laughs> what, update what you, you on. What you envisage is gonna yeah. happen uh, in 2023. <laughs> I mean, mine mine are probably less exciting than uh, Amy A's. So I'm gonna talk about pay um, and data protection. So two favourite topics, I'm sure, of employers. Um, so in relation to pay, so statutory rates of pay. So we've had DWP um, have published their proposed increases to statutory benefit payments. So they're expected to apply from April uh, this year. And in particular, things like statutory sick pay will go up. So um, it will, I believe it's going up to around £109.40 and, when, and that's from £99.35 at the moment. And the same as statutory maternity, paternity and adoption and shared parental pay and statutory parental bereavement pay. Again, they're all going to go up. Um, slightly too. So I'm sure most employers probably have this on their radar, especially as they get towards April anyway. But just a kind of reminder that obviously if you are um, paying statutory for any of those types of leave, etc., is that you're aware of the increase um, and what it's going to go up to. And then I suppose following on from that is national minimum wage and national living wage. So again, from April, we will see an increase. So it's been announced that national living wage for workers aged 23 and over will rise from 9.50 an hour to actually to £10.42 an hour. So it's quite a significant increase increase um and all the kind of rates that 
our spades are underneath that for the different age categories will also um, rise as well. So it's just being mindful, I think, of actually if you've got workers in your business now who are on national minimum wage, that you just start thinking about that increase. And it's going to obviously have a financial impact on the business, depending on how many people are on that wage um, and just being mindful of that and planning um, as early as possible. Um, I think as well, just a side point on this is just, and again, employers who pay, pay national minimum wage are probably all over this, but just actually being aware of people's birthdays, because if you've got younger people in the business who are in a certain category, but then obviously as they stay with you, they get older. Sometimes it can be easily missed that they've actually become a, a certain age, which puts them into the next category up. So again, it might be worth a bit of an audit, I guess, internally, just to make sure you're prepared for those changes. Um, and then the final one, data protection. So probably I say the most exciting one of them all, maybe out of that, um, is the government's announced its intention to actually replace the UK GDPR with a British data protection system. So that would look I think similar, it would be in the form of a bill, so a data protection and digital information bill. Um, I believe we're expected a further update this year on that. So there isn't that much out there at the moment apart from that announcement. Um, I suppose the ICO um, itself has undertaken lots of consultations. There's been a lot about monitoring workers, processing workers' health data. Um, I think a lot of that's come out of the pandemic as well, especially the monitoring piece with a lot of people working remotely now or hybrid, in hybrid kind of working patterns. Um, and those kind of consultations feed into a wider project to replace the ICO's employment code of practice with new guidance, which will essentially help employers understand their responsibilities under data protection law. And I think the idea eventually, which actually would be really, really helpful, is to have a one-stop one shop, basically, or hub that employers can go to um, on the ICO website. And it will, well, employers and employees, I should say, and it will have kind of all the answers that they could possibly need for data protection questions. I mean, the reality of it being that kind of perfect in theory, I don't know. I think it might take a little bit of work uh, to get there, but that's certainly where I think the ICO are trying to head at this point. So um, I think it's one to watch that one and we'll, we'll probably be no doubt updating um, our listeners in due course on that. Yeah, definitely one to watch, I'd say, uh, for organisations, obviously. It's been in place a good few, few years now as GDPR, but what I would say is that employees kind of awareness of their own rights in terms of their data and everything else is, is increasing all the time so um you know kind of businesses need to make sure that they are doing things as they should um i guess flowing from that as well um in terms of what what may or may not happen as a kind of fallout of brexit we do have the retained eu law uh bill which um has the potential to have significant impact on on UK employment law um, because what this effectively does it, it provides for any EU derived secondary legislation and direct EU legislation will expire automatically on the 31st of December this year so 2023 unless this date is extended uh, being perhaps the, the biggest caveat there and and if I had to put somebody else's money on it, uh, it would probably be um, that it will be extended. Um, and, and and again, the other caveat is whether whether actually the, the UK introduces legislation of its own right um, to, to kind of expressly deal with that. So what would that cover? Well, it would cover TUPI, it would cover working time regulations, it would cover agency worker regulations, um, you know, so effectively, it could have a big impact on all those real techie 
um, and what can be very frustrating areas of law for, for HR teams to deal with. So definitely worth keeping your eye on that and, and what that comes with. Now, clearly, if there is any updates, then, you know, kind of we'll, we'll make sure our li- listeners are made aware of those um, as soon as we become aware of them. But yeah, watch that, watch that, this space. Um, the other issue, and I think this is probably pertinent to what I said at the start of um, the podcast in terms of we're in February, but we're predicting what's going to happen in 2023. Well, this is in relation to strike. Um, we saw a lot in the latter part of 2022 and that has certainly flowed into this year and we are seeing extensive strikes um, across a whole number of industries. Um, The government in this year, so in January last month, has proposed strike laws to ensure minimum service levels for industries such as fire, ambulance and rail services. I think this is going to be really interesting to see how it develops. Um, I walked past a Unite office in Leeds the other day um, and they had a big, big old banner up saying protect the right to strike. Um, The unions aren't just going to lie down about this. Certainly the the message they are um, pushing is hang on. The government was was encouraging everybody to come to the doorsteps and clap for key workers. you know, kind of when they were in the middle of the pandemic and here we are threatening to sack them um, if if they take um, lawful action, which is what it is, it, you know, kind of individuals are entitled to lawfully strike um, in, in respect of their pay negotiations um, and they're threatening to, to introduce legislation that, that will prevent that or will enable the individuals to be dismissed. So you can see there's certainly a lot of emotion here um, and and ultimately where we get to remains to be seen. Um, I think, you know, kind of just looking at the landscape, it feels like deals are beginning to to get done. Um, certain strikes are being called off to allow negotiations to be extended. So um, certainly in some areas, I, th- I think there is progress, but, you know, kind of it remains to be seen how far and, and how deep and how wide the legislation will go if, if that's something that the government decide to do. Uh, final point for me, and I think this is something that all businesses have almost become very, very familiar with, but there is an extra bank holiday this year as well, um, as well as the extra two. It's certainly two we had last year um, and perhaps one the year before. There's been a lot anyway, but the the additional bank holidays are always welcome. Um, this one is on the 8th of May to mark the coronation of King Charles III. Um, the question often is asked, is whether workers are entitled to take this extra day. Um, the answer is, lies in the contract. Um, if the contract says all bank holidays, then effectively, yes, they are. If it says all the usual um, bank holidays, then effectively they're not. Um, an organisation will then have a decision to make. So um, have a look, do an audit of those contracts, make sure that you're familiar to the extent you've not already familiarise yourself as a business over the last couple of years. Um, and I think that's a good place to stop this episode um, on the happy topic that is an additional bank holiday. Um, as ever, we welcome our listeners' thoughts in relation to to what we've discussed, um, especially, I think, um, in relation to what, if anything, um, organisations are doing, are planning uh, to not only 
address some of the legislation that's in the pipeline but but to just generally look at the kind of the flexibility of the agile workforce because we're, we're always keen to hear of initiatives um that organizations are doing and and you know kind of sharing that with our listeners um on an, on an anonymous basis but um yeah send your comments through um ideas for any topics for us to discuss through to shoespeak hr at shoesmiths.co.uk thank you amy's and speak soon thanks bye thank you